0: youth workshop podcast episode 51 yeah
1: just like it's easier to go visit uh your 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 nephews and nieces and it's easier to go visit your friends kids uh it's easier just to go to church
0: you bring the passion We bring the knowledge. Learn from the most creative, innovative, and
1: experienced youth experts across the globe. Are you ready to take your youth ministry to the next level? If the answer is yes, you are in the right place. The Youth Workshop, the podcast. Here's your host, Luke White.
0: Hey, thanks for tuning in, friends. Give me 30 seconds just to talk about a brand new initiative that we have just launched. We are so excited about it and it's called the Youth Workshop Virtual Summit. Now imagine your favorite youth leadership conference but with all the hassle taken out. No travel costs necessary, no accommodation costs needed, all that is required is internet access. From January the 12th to January the 19th of 2017, over 20 youth practitioners will reveal the fundamentals of youth ministry, the keys to successful leadership, and how to innovate in your unique setting. The best part? Well, it's just like this podcast. You can listen to it from the comfort of your own home, while you jog, or even at work. Sneaky! Register now by heading to LukeWhite.com, that's L-U-K-E-W-H-Y-T-E.com and click Summit at the top of the page. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to a brand new episode of the Youth Workshop Podcast. As usual, I'm so excited to be here with you because I have a special guest who's going to bring you so much value. His name is Drew Warsham, and Drew, he actually has a couple of passions in life that he's involved with. So Drew why don't you take it away tell us a little bit about yourself
1: yeah well thanks Luke man I appreciate uh the opportunity to be on the show uh I was telling you earlier that when when on airplanes people always ask okay what do you what do you do for a living and it's always a strange question because I have two very strange jobs and uh, the first is uh, I'm a pastor in Washington State um, I'm a site pastor campus pastor for our, uh, our our campus near Washington State University. And then I oversee all of our leadership development for all of our network. We have six uh, campuses, and so I oversee the leadership development on all six campuses. And then I travel full-time as a, uh, a magician or a illusionist for the Christians that are tuning in. <laughs> Just kidding.
0: <laughs> Love it love it love it love it so you know you usually you told me earlier that you usually give you give people the opportunity to discuss which one they want to (laughs) hear about first which way does it tend to swing
1: you know uh it's probably 50 50 Uh, i think most people don't really know what to do with either of them you (laughs) you watch maybe magicians if you're in las vegas or uh, on television but not, not many people have met a a person that actually does magic or illusions for a living. And so I don't know if they know what to do with it. I um, mean, they, they immediately want to, well, if, you, if, you, if that's what you do for a living, then I'd like to see something. So they want me to perform or, or show them something real quick. Uh, and the pastor, if they have a background in, in church, then maybe they'll kind of dive into that. But that usually will kill the conversation pretty quick. They're like, oh, uh, this guy's going to, uh, you know, pushes beliefs or is going to try to to save me on this plane or in this (laughs) conversation. So it depends. It it all depends on their background or they might, if they have some type of connection either like, Oh, Hey, my, my grandfather was a a pastor or my uncle, he does magic tricks. And so, uh, it, it really depends, but both, you can kind of tell their, their minds spinning of like, what in the world do I even do with this guy? So it's it's fun either way.
0: Love it. So I'm thinking, what what do we want to dive into first? Mm. Let's let's look at which was the first passion that you had out of the two, and we'll go that way round.
1: Yeah. Well. Uh, I, I never thought that really that I would do either, that I would be in ministry or uh do magic. I think honestly, both are a little bit weird uh to uh someone in in high school, especially as a high school student who, who who's not a believer. And so if you would have told me, you know, senior year or even early in college that I was gonna uh, be a professional magician or to be a pastor, I, I think I would have just kind of laughed at you because they both, like I said, just very weird. My my senior year of high school, or right before my senior year, rather, I spent the whole summer in Las Vegas playing basketball. And while I was out there, if you've ever been, if any of the listeners have ever been to Las Vegas, there's magic shops everywhere in every single hotel. And so I was just always intrigued by it. And walked by one day and they're out there doing demonstrations and got kind of sucked in and would keep going back. Well, the guys at these, at these shops kind of took a liking to me and invited me a little bit closer and started to kind of show me, Hey, these are the books and stuff that I would buy if they were me. And so I just started learning it just for fun. And my senior year, opportunities arose for me to actually get to perform for like, I mean, I had someone ask me to do a birthday party. I started working at a restaurant just, just for fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a senior to be able to start making a little bit of money was just a a phenomenal opportunity. And, uh, the senior year is when, uh, I had a youth pastor introduce me to Jesus. And, um, what I realized was that, uh, that while doing magic, people kind of zeroed in and wanted to to watch and, and figure it out. And so I just started sharing my story, uh, through, through, through using the illusions and more and more, more doors started opening up. So throughout college, I was traveling full time until at the end of college, this was an opportunity that I could, I could go full time in, wow. in performing and, uh, in traveling. So right after graduating, I got in a car with a musician who played guitar and we started on the East coast of, uh, of the US and just started traveling west. We spent a year, almost a year and a half living in a car, driving <laughs> around and he would he would do music and uh I would I would perform and get to share my story and share the gospel and uh Luke, here's the deal, about a year into living in a car, you start to kind of realize that that we're not really made for that. Um we're, 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 made to be known and to have community and to have roots. We're not meant to be gypsies for Jesus. <laughs> and so we, uh, bro, we were just itching, itching to, to do something. And so we started talking about what, what would God have next? Could we, should we, should we plant somewhere and just, and be known? And, uh, right around that time, it was like our second or third trip through Washington state. We met, uh, a group of people that started telling us about the demographic up here and how it was at the time the most unchurched state in the U.S. and the town uh, that I live in now is full of college students and so college students are one of the most unchurched age groups worldwide and so they just started dreaming about what if we started a church, you know, planted a church here that that reached these this demographic and man I think God had done so much in our hearts that we were just ready to just let's give it a let's give it a shot. And, uh, I had zero, uh, you know, I I mean, I'd been to church and, uh, God was, was growing my passion heart for the church, but I really didn't understand it or get it. So my first church to really plug into was the one that we, we planted. Wow. So just decided to stay in Washington, um, and planted a church and had been here for 10 years. And so, and then, uh, still travel quite a bit. So, yeah, it's, so I would say the magic started. And that led to uh, the opportunities to to get to pastor in Washington.
0: Fantastic. So, Drew, so many bits from that story that I want to kind of pick up on. The first bit, I think, is this idea of you decided to go out specifically for one of the most unchurched um, demographics Mm -hmm. in, in one of the most unchurched areas. And I think some of my listeners will be thinking, so, what did that look like initially? What were the first few steps you took?
1: Yeah, uh great question for us it I know this sounds silly, but I think it could be uh overshot is we just we've moved into the town mm. uh, we moved there we uh actually got a job. Me and my friend got a job working at a uh on campus bookstore
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh they just asked us we met some guy who needed help, and so we were just there well while working, you start brushing shoulders with people, and yeah. people are going to ask questions. Okay, well, why are you guys in town? We we live in a unique enough town that you're either a college student or you're a professor kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And so people – we were young enough to people go, okay, what are you guys studying? We're, like, we're not really students. Okay, like, then what in the world are you doing here? And we're like, you're, you're not going to believe it, but we're going to – we're here to – we're going to start a church. And and people don't really know what to do with that, especially in uh, an environment where it's unchurched. Mm. uh Now, Washington, I think a lot of people kind of have a, I mean, it's a very liberal state, have a view that it's that it's maybe hostile. Um, And that's not I don't think that's the case. I think people are just, uh, I'd say, kind of apathetic and just kind of uh, I'll I'll do me, you do you. And so the answer we always got was, whoa, okay, well, that's intriguing. Um, And they would tell you really honestly, like, hey, that's not really my thing. Like I've never really done the church stuff, but that's cool for you. And then about, you know, a minute later, they'd <clears throat> come back around and go, OK, but hey, tell me about this church. Like, I'm I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I've never been to a church. Like, what would that be like? You, we like you guys because there were relationships that were developed. And so it started small. You start with, you know, six of you. And then all of a sudden it's 16, you know, and over time, uh, it's, I mean, it's essentially like a little house church that turns into 60 people. And enough people knew about it. They were like, well, I think we could go public. And so, about nine months in, we just said, "Hey, let's let's do it," and we started meeting uh, on a Sunday morning. And and people showed up surprisingly. Um, I think mostly out of curiosity. And so, so much that we didn't even know if we were going to do a second gathering. Uh, We're we're in the back uh, at the end of the the Sunday gathering and look at each other and go, "We should probably do this again next week." Go tell everyone. (laughs) And so we went up and said, "Hey, we just made an executive decision. We're doing this again (laughs) next week. See you then." And so, uh, but really a lot of it for us, it wasn't a, a come and see model. You know, we, we just, that's, that's not a part of the culture here. It's a, and I know very much like probably like where, where you live, Luke, it's a, uh, you, it has to be community driven and yeah. inviting people into your homes. And then from that go, Hey, you We'd love for you to, you know, after you've kind of talked about God, come experience this thing maybe on Sundays. But they've already kind of experienced it in your in your house, hundred percent little house churches. So uh, that was kind of what I was like. So it's a very, it's been very strategic but very organic. And so, yeah, it's that's that's how the first steps I know is we just kind of overlook it, but it's just to move into the community uh, and start meeting people um not for the agenda just to invite them to a gathering but to invite them into your life
0: fantastic i think that's so key it's really hard sometimes to communicate that to people sometimes when they want to see these results like really quickly as well and and the result really they want to see is there are hundreds of people <laughs> coming to your church but you're so right it's it's all about relationships did you have any bigger organizational backing or literally was it just the two of you
1: so it was us two and then we we teamed up with a guy who was doing college ministry. Okay, and uh, at the town, so it was the three of us, and then uh, he had an intern that was a part of the team, and his wife was a part of the team, and then another girl, and so there was about six of us, and then but we were we're connected with the 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 Northwest Baptist Convention up here, so they that was there was a church in town, and this is such a long story. There's a church in town. <laughs> That uh, that really helped us. That came alongside us, and they they saw the need. They they said, "Hey, we're not reaching you know the main demographic this this eighteen to twenty five year old range yeah. in our town." And the church was old enough that it was a little hard for it to you know to turn the Titanic. Yeah. So they said. That- best thing to do would be to start something new that had mm. this heartbeat and that had this target. And so they came alongside us and uh man we're just financially helpful. I mean prayer support. Like we had our offices in this church building. Oh wow. Wow. And so they were very I mean they've and they're just they've been they're still, I mean, gosh, very supportive and very much a part of our team. That so with uh, the other churches in the Northwest. I think we're intrigued by this idea of a church that that Really targeted college students Mm. because uh, the the whole lot, and this is this is just the truth. I mean, a lot of churches it's hard to to target college students because we jokingly say they're an empty resource. They uh, they don't stay and they don't pay, and so uh, you know it's there's not a lot of return on investment and so it makes it hard it's hard to build a church uh with that being your main demographic and so i think a lot of people thought it, it probably couldn't it couldn't be done and that it wouldn't work uh, it wouldn't be sustainable and uh and for us we took those those pieces and said man these are these are huge hurdles but i think they're actually m- massive opportunities for the church and uh, what i mean by that is uh every four years our our church changes Meaning that every four years, like we have to every year we send out a fourth of our congregation, almost a fourth. And so we have to view ourselves as a sending church wow. that they're going to go back to Seattle. They're going to go to Utah. They're going to go to Florida. They're going to go, you know, to your side uh, of the pond. Like they're, they're going all over the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we get we get a few years to walk with them, disciple them, train them, equip them and then send them out to wherever God's taken them. So we've kind of used these obstacles to go, this is actually forcing us to be ascending church.
0: Fantastic. So what does that look like in terms of how does that inform kind of the teaching and the discipleship? Maybe give us some insight into how that then informs um, how and what you do.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. For us, it's there is there's not a gathering mental well i mean that's not true i mean we want people to show up on sunday and you know we we care about that and we want people to encounter you know jesus through that but for us discipleship is is the key if we if i meet you if i get lucky enough to meet you your freshman year and uh get to walk with you maybe even get to introduce you to jesus and get to watch you go from death to life then I realized, man, if I'm lucky, I got this three and a half years to really invest my life or my team to invest their life into these students and help equip them and train them before they leave. And so what that looks like is um, man, we 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 need to start talking like very early on that you're you're gonna leave. And so you need to be able to you need to be able to walk which you to be able to feed yourself. Without, without us right here beside you. Mm-hmm. And so we want to give them tools of, of how to do that. And we also, we want to invite people, is, I mean, almost as soon as they start following Jesus into the mission of God, so that they can start to realize that they play a role in that. Their job isn't to just show up on a Sunday and consume, but to join the mission of God and what He's doing wherever they live. So uh, we, are, we are foolish enough to take a, a, a sophomore student that's been walking with Jesus for, for six to nine months and go, I think you can lead something. Uh, I, I think we don't have to wait until you graduate to actually do ministry. Let's, let's get you involved right now. And so we've got students who have uh, been man really walking with Jesus for less than a year who are, are leading house churches and uh, they're making disciples themselves and for with younger students and uh, and we walk alongside them there's tons of accountability and leadership help but uh so you could say there's training wheels but we're we're right there with them and we we let them we let them try and we let them mess up and we let them figure out okay let's how can we do that better so that when they graduate there's not now there's not this min- this mindset of now i'll start ministry or now i'll get into discipleship they go no i've already know how to do that so wherever god takes me i can make disciples which is ultimately the calling on on all of our lives so so ministry is uh and we, we know that so we don't waste a whole lot of time love it
0: love it love it love it and it's so interesting to me that even though this is the this style has developed or this method has developed because of the necessities of the people you're reaching, I feel as though this could be something that maybe all churches could have in their mind. I mean, surely having the same seat in church for 20 years um, and kind of doing the same thing the same way forever or, or for, for that time, surely that can't be the the ending of our, our own discipleship and our o- own walk with God, you know? Because sometimes I wonder just how <laughs> content people can be just to to do that for 30, 40 years and then to die basically <laughs> I mean it's a bit so sad you know it's a bit more it's a bit morbid I know but I mean I just wonder you haven't really this is your main experience in in a church so maybe you you don't have that same experience of people who who have lived that type of reality but nevertheless I mean what are your thoughts on that how, how do people become so stuck in their ways that they forget that that they are called to something as well
1: well, I, I look I, I was born and raised in Texas. Okay. So which is kind of the, the buckle of the Bible <laughs> belt. So I uh I, I'm very I'm very much aware. And you know, a lot of the churches that I in traveling oh, yes, get to so be course. a part of, mm-hmm. you know, or in this mindset. And uh I think I think it's safe. I think that's why there's a, a leaning to that. Um it's 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 easier to control uh a Sunday gathering and uh and it's 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 I think it's really safe. Most uh, I'll speak on behalf of just, you know, my family and the, the way that it's played out is it's easy to show up to a church service on Sunday and let Jesus have an hour and a half. It's another thing to let him have your entire your entire day your entire week let him have every part of you it's difficult to let him i mean jesus and that's the way jesus wants he wants he wants our marriages he wants our families he wants our jobs he wants our our relationships our community did man he asked for all of it and so i think about i think it's easy to compartmentalize and say jesus you just get this one piece and so i think that's the rut we kind of naturally lean into consumerism and and showing up And and discipleship is really messy and it's really difficult and it's really slow. Like you said, it's not there. There is no microwave version of it. There's uh, no silver bullet it, to invite people into your world is difficult. And I think we uh, I think the fear in discipleship, the reason we don't do it, one of the reasons is because uh, either one, and this is going to be very, this is very harsh. I don't mean it to be. I just think it's true. Mm-hmm. I think either we don't have a life worth imitating. And mm-hmm. so to disciple means we can only, we only teach. It means I just, I can just teach yes. you, but there's not really anything worth imitating. And so we don't, we don't do that. And then two, uh, I think it's, um, Man, I don't know. I just think that the messiness of it and the, the realness of it to invite someone into my home. So I, I need you to be in my house, you know, not just for an hour, but to consistently be in my home, to be a part of my family mm. is uh, means that you're going to see me on the good days and you're going to see me on the bad days. Mm-hmm. You're going to see me get upset with my wife mm-hmm. and you're going to see me say something, you know, you know, rude or impatiently. And, uh, you, need to, and you need to see that. And then you need to see me repent and go to my wife and go, hey, I'm really sorry. That wasn't, you know, that, that's not Christ-like. That wasn't what God asked me to do. And I, I was really selfish in that moment because that's discipleship. That's a young man watching a guy just a few steps ahead of him go, oh, that's how I do that. Wow. I didn't know. Wow. I got to see it. And I think most things are caught and not taught. And that's that's difficult. Um, I think we've, we've uh, Mike Breen uh, are you familiar with that name? He's in your neck of the woods. He wrote a lot of stuff on discipleship. Okay. And uh, he's from the UK. And he said uh, that you, we, if we build the church, uh, we may not get disciples. But if we build disciples, we'll always get the church. Wow. Well... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's been something that's just been really that, – that that statement was really impactful to go, Jesus actually never told us to build the church. He said that he would do that. Um he said, I'll build the church. And he said, Our job is to make disciples. And uh and that's hard and it's messy and it's uh it's like it's like parenting. Uh parenting from well, we don't have kids, but I what my friend a lot of friends do and I wait to watch it and it's uh it's a challenge. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, Luke, do you have kids?
0: I have two, yeah. Oh. A two year old and a one year old, yeah. <laughs> that and,
1: and parenting is extreme discipleship. Oh man, uh, you don't get to turn it off. So I think that's why it's, it's easier. Uh, just like it's easier to go visit uh, your 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 nephews and nieces, and it's easier to go visit your friends' kids. Uh, it's easier just to go to church. It's a lot more difficult to uh, to have these kids live with you and and uh, and to train them and, and love them, you know, consistently
0: that is so deep so church becomes almost the spiritual equivalent of visiting your nephews <laughs> oh, you said it drew you said it not me you can't tell me off ladies <laughs> don't, don't and gentlemen. oh that is fantastic okay so maybe share with us now you've been sharing some great stories i love it um tell us a little bit maybe of you know you mentioned this messiness has there been any a, a situation you can think of that um was really challenging um, a, a, and really only came about as a result of trying to do this, the real hard work of discipleship?
1: Yeah. Oh, man. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a story, like a specific story. There's tons. I'm trying to highlight that maybe would connect with. When you invite people really, really close to you, um, you have the ability both to, to be hurt and to hurt a little bit more. Um, it's the ones that are closest that that have the ability to hurt the worst. And I think... When when discipling, um, sadly, not I don't think everyone. I'm trying to word this correctly. I was going to say not everyone makes it to the end, and I don't I don't mean necessarily like their salvation or uh, that's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to the fact that some people I think there's discipleship starts on all levels. I think you can dis- you can start discipling someone before they even make a decision to follow after Jesus. Um, If you even look at the life of the disciples in in Scripture, at what point did they get it? You know, at what point were they were they believers? They were following Jesus for it might have been after, you know, uh, the resurrection that they went, oh, actually, Jesus is legit. Like, I don't know at what point they really got it. And so you can disciple people before. And I think there's there's people that don't even make a decision. And then at some point they just it gets hard and they and they, they take a break or walk away and i think that's the hard part when you have to have these hard conversations where you have to you know lovingly to call someone out and uh say hey this is not who you want to be this is not okay you can't sleep with your girlfriend and you can't like live like, like this is you, what you're you know you're living a contradictory life and uh and to have someone especially a young believer look at you and go hey if jesus is asking me to give up this girlfriend or to do this or to then you know what i don't i don't choose that i don't want that and they away from a relationship because you you represent something and um that that's messy and that's heartbreaking and those are the moments that keep you up at night and uh and you lose sleep over and uh and you and your you know you 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 spit a lot of tears that are sowed and you just man you prayed you know, god that i do that wrong, like should I go back and just apologize and go, no, just do whatever you want to do. Okay, as long as we can keep this relationship. And and I don't that's not what Jesus, you know, did. Jesus demanded everything and there were a lot of people that walked away. And uh know that at some level probably had to break the heart of Jesus, but he didn't chase after them. I um, mean and so uh that's the difficult. I think that's where it gets messy where you see uh you see that. And then I think relationally too, like it's messy when, when people, man, lose a parent and, uh, and they're at your house till 3am crying and they don't know what to do and you don't have the answer. Yeah. You don't have it. And so you just have to just cry with them and, uh, you just sit with them and you're just present and that's messy because that's inconvenient. (laughs) And so, uh, I think those are, that's two spectrums. There's the the heartbreak side and there's the the people that, that walk away. Um, when people walk away from just a gathering, that's, you know, they may or may not be missed. But when they walk away from family, that's that's hard.
0: I love it. Okay. Let's um let's now look at your your other your other <laughs> role. Okay, but so in what ways have you been able to use um your gifted illusionism, if that was such a word. Um how have love you been it. able to to tie that ministry in with pastoral ministry, if you've been able to? Yeah, I
1: think they serve each other really, really well. Uh, To give you a little bit of backstory, um, when I moved to Washington, I thought I would never travel again. I think I I felt like, you know, I was marching up Mount Moriah with a knife in my hand, you know, going to lay Isaac on the altar. I was like, I guess this is it. God was really faithful, and uh, not that He wouldn't have been if it would have if I would have put it to rest. But it was almost overnight that the phone started ringing a little bit more and uh, more requests to come and uh, and to minister um, using this other gift uh, of magic and illusion. And I don't know if that was God's timing of just like, "Hey, Drew, I need to make sure (laughs) I want to know it's on the altar," or if it was just like I said, timing, or if it was just the fact that you know when you. I think when you're a part of a church staff there's some legitimacy there's a backing of that, you know people go oh there's a le- there's le- this sort of legitimacy here so anyway it took off well because of that financially is a big key um, I chose to not take any payment from the church here in Washington okay. so uh, so I don't get paid at all for from the church uh, every uh, the events and traveling are the way that you know provide for my family and keep the lights wow. on. So so there's a balance in that of like trying to figure out okay how do I be gone uh not too much but uh enough to to you know to to you know pay pay the bills. Uh and I love it. I think there's uh my church sends me and so the fact that I get, if I leave Washington and go to Texas or Florida or, you know, wherever, another state or even overseas, my church is sending me um, as man, an, an agent that's carrying the gospel to these other churches, taking it. So they, they view me as essentially a missionary being sent out. Uh, I think, I think there's. God has, there's so many things, God has given me tons of opportunities to be partnered with some of, I think, the best communicators um, on the globe uh, in getting to do events, whether, you know, a lot of times I'm like the third personality, like if I'm doing magic, there may be also a communicator, a pastor, uh, a worship band, and so I've just gotten to be partnered with a lot of guys along the way, so it's allowed me to, I think... You,
0: you feel free to drop some names, we don't mind some name <laughs> dropping here, you can you can do it, Drew, it's okay.
1: Oh God. <laughs> I mean, you know, this, there's like, also, there's just so many circles, like, uh, there's some people that in one circle may be like the, you know, uh, just the Pope in some ways. And there's another category to go, we never even heard of him. Oh, oh, I see what you're
0: saying. Yeah, of course. Okay, fair uh, enough. I'll let you off then.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you just go, this is a big name in my circle, but you're like, I've never heard of him. uh, But, uh, you know, with that, that's allowed me the opportunity to, I think, actually, I've gotten front row seats to watch some of the best communicators so that I've grown in that gift. And so I get to bring that back to to our church or, you know, some of these pastors that I'm able to pick their brain. Okay, so what are you guys doing in Atlanta? Okay, what how does how does that work in New York City? And I can take what they're doing and uh, can just I can borrow those ideas. We can learn from each other. I go, that's amazing. I never thought to do that. In the discipleship world, I'm going to try that when I get back home. So it's given me lots of different contexts. So I can see some of the best uh, and, and just take it and tweak it and make it you know, work for us. And then I think also on the road, uh, I've learned to be a better pastor. Um, I remember someone telling me when I was in college that that 95% of your ministry happens when you step off the stage. Mm. And those, uh, those words uh man have i think been just have just really guided the ministry learning that i can step on stage and perform or teach but all that does is just gives me a right kind of earns my right to really share off stage to actually connect with people. and so they walk up and go wow i was really impressed by this well then now there's a conversation okay well tell me more story or tell me more about this jesus and that's where the ministry happens
0: so uh, so the sermon uh, is the icebreaker i like it yes no that's
1: exactly what it is and so for me learning to pastor people in washington is actually made me a better pastor on the road and uh, and i think i connect more with with the pastors and youth ministers and college pastors on the road because i go hey i get it i'm not just some hired gun uh that's in here just to and you know just just blow in blow up and blow out like i'm uh i'm here to i want to i want to help what you're doing and so i think it becomes more of a partnership uh versus just uh, a transaction so they yeah gosh it's like every level of it uh it it they're so they're so together
0: fantastic i love what you said that my dream has always been that i would be in the place where I wouldn't need payment from my conference my um, organizing body because I I just think I think in itself it's a good witness to the church that you're actually in but also um, I just think it I do feel at times that maybe the salary can become a bit of a a noose around the neck at times um, because in a way in fact you tell me do you feel do you feel uh, maybe a greater sense of freedom not only to do your your um magic and illusion ministry, but actually a greater freedom to do your pastoral ministry because there isn't that sense of if i say some if i if I upset the wrong people in this congregation, my salary could be affected, <laughs> which you, you know do do you ever think about that? Has that ever crossed your mind or not really um yeah, I think.
1: In some ways, it hasn't obviously hasn't crossed my mind because you know I haven't had a salary, so I haven't had to think through that lens. Mm -hmm. But I think I think you're right. I think there is there is this amazing freedom to not to not let my decision making be be affected by okay, how is this going to affect uh, a paycheck? And so uh, what that allows me to do is you know man, to really seek the Lord and go, okay, God, what are you saying in this situation? And so, you know, maybe you go, oh, I think in a lot of churches, it's easy to go, hey, this person gives a lot. And so we want to make sure that we keep them near us. And so they they have power or persuasion uh, with certain decisions. And we get to go, no, like we're like we're not affected by that. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're being obedient to what God has called us to. And this is where he's leading. So we want to say yes. Um, yeah, I think there really is. There's this freedom of of going god whatever you have next uh we're on board and mm-hmm. uh and our lives aren't affected by you know the fear of making ends meet that's yeah that's a it's a massive freedom and honestly i don't know if i've ever really i mean i've thought about it but not as much i think is as you asking that question of like how does that actually affect our lives but yeah i think it's it's a it's a beautiful situation to be in fantastic
0: or actually we're kind of coming into landing now the time is kind of flying by I can't believe it maybe tell us you know because you work so closely with the the young generation or the next generation or the now generation some might even say um what kind of vision do you have kind of personally for where you'd like to we'd like to see this generation really be in the next 5 10 15 years like what's your outlook for them that you personally have on your heart the vision you have on your heart for them
1: yeah man that's a good question and uh this this generation is i think the most excited um just about making an impact and doing something big with their lives uh they want their lives to matter for something and, uh, that's why I think it's easy for them to the negative side is to bounce from job to job or relationship to relationship. They just want it to be perfect. They want it to be mm. awesome. They want it to be worth telling a story on Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, so I think my hope. Is that they would really leverage their life, and not just like in for for an Instagram post, but really leverage their life for the kingdom uh, and to advance uh, the kingdom. And I really think they want to. I think they just need to be shown how to. And I think for <clears throat> I think the easiest way, based upon our the context of our conversation, is for this generation to to take the words of Jesus to go and make disciples uh, to take that um, at face value to go, okay, God, you've asked me, you've commanded me to do this. And I can, I can do that no matter where I am in life. And so, for example, uh, to have a, a college student that can easily make disciples of a high school student, they don't have it all figured out, but they're a step ahead. I mean, Jesus's disciples were, were teenagers. And so, and they were left with the entire mission, uh, (sighs) to have high school students that are actually pouring into middle school students and, uh, and making disciples. And uh, I mean, even to invite middle school students to pour into elementary students, like to, for them to become, for discipleship to become uh, a part of their DNA, a part of their operating system to where it's just who they are. And so that they don't wait until they're retired um, to start teaching a Sunday school class uh, and call that discipleship. and uh, But for the rather they would give their lives uh, to the mission, to invite people into their home. And that would be something that, that they do that starts when they're young, but that when they get married, that they're making disciples. When they have kids, they're making disciples. And it just, it's just, it's marked with life. And that each, that this generation would have generation after generation, spiritual generations of people that would follow in their steps i think would be i think that would change the world
0: awesome awesome drew oh you've been fantastic uh i just i wish we had more time what i will say is this if we want to continue this conversation if any of if any of the workshoppers listening would like to continue this conversation where's the best place and the best way to communicate with you
1: yeah uh i'm on all the the social medias uh but sometimes that can get kind of convoluted Um uh, the best way, because you just, you know, you send a message, uh, through Instagram, it's, it's, it's harder to probably start a conversation. Uh, but if, if if anybody wanted to email me personally, I would love, love to help out, uh, or have you have a conversation or just share or, and, uh, the easiest email address is just drew at resonate.net. So D R E W at resonate so r-e-s-o-n-a-t-e dot net awesome i would love to start a conversation with anyone
0: awesome awesome drew thank you so much for your time you've been amazing and we hope hopefully our paths will cross at some point in the future i would love it i hope so too oh yes drew you really brought the magic thank you so much for being part of our episode we love you mate we thank you for your time Until next time, workshoppers, head to LukeWhite.com and click Summit at the top of the page to register for the virtual summit. It's going to be amazing. Remember, create, impact, influence.